Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's David Tuttle and Astros master of banter, Blummer. Oh boy, it is showtime like we have never seen before on the Bleacher Blums podcast. Tuttle is turning beet red right now as we sit because I am actually what? are we? We're social distancing, which is beautiful. And you're just about three or four feet away from me. You could talk over me anytime you want because this episode of Bleacher Blums is being recorded in Las Vegas as we speak. And we have got my co-host, David Tuttle, here. We have got our producer, Mark Ramos, here. Say hi. Hello. He's got a microphone. He had to turn it on. But uh, he's being very polite. He will jump in. We'll actually pick his brain a little bit and let you get to know him a little bit. But Tuttle, we made it happen, dude. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. How you doing, Blummer? It's good. good to be here. Yeah, have some fun. You have been... We got to Vegas, so Mark Ramos and I came a day late to Vegas because I'm cheap and I'm looking for the best deals, and leaving on Friday did us no good and would have cost me a fortune to get my tired act out here. I would have flown Mark out here, but me coming out here would have been a different story, and then we find out, or Mark probably found out through via email. I didn't have the guts to call him and say, hey, dude, our flight's at 7.15 in the morning, <laughs> leaving Houston, coming to uh, Las Vegas, but we... Well, he woke up at 4.45 a.m. I woke up at 5.15 a.m. And here we are sitting here after uh, one weird cup of coffee, maybe real quick at the airport. And then we landed here and had, I had something moneymaker that was basically a whole, you know, it's a juice squeeze and then a bottle of vodka. And then we proceeded to have two more beers, a cup of coffee. So I'm a, I'm a little on edge right now. How, and how are you holding up? Because you led us through this entire casino with like lightning speed. Yeah, I didn't realize. First of all, I didn't realize I cut you off all the time. So you're no, saying you now can I can now. Talk, I'm encouraging it. Now I can yeah. cut you off whenever I want. But the uh, I think the funny thing is that uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty fired up, obviously, to be here. So I'm a, I, I think you didn't know that uh, <laughs> because you haven't been around me for a while. But uh, your yeah. energy is unbelievable. Yeah. So we'll see how it it's is palpable. after the podcast. I've been waiting for this for for now. A how does while, it so. feel? This is a legit studio, by the way. We will have pictures on our Instagram on Twitter. Uh, you can follow Tuttle at Real David Tuttle. You got myself at Blummer27 on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Ramos is going to be putting stuff up at Bleacher Blums, but this is a legit studio. I, I I am happy to say that this isn't my environment, the studio environment, but I'm I'm accustomed to it. This is beyond what I expected this place to be. How are you feeling in the in this environment instead of being in that coat closet that you're normally doing the podcast from? Well, I think we've talked about the technology's improved immensely. So, thank you goodness. Know, I like my sure microphone and sitting at the comfort of my coat closet desk. But uh, this is amazing. I mean, this is a fantastic studio, and uh, it definitely exceeds my expectations. Just like hanging out with you always exceeds always, my expectations. Always, yes, I'm sure. Always, it does. But we had a chance to actually put some bets down. Right now, the Houston Cougars, I think, are down by 15. I desperately need them to score a touchdown to cover that 10 and a half spread. And then you had Alabama, Georgia, because Alabama, right before we came in here, was absolutely destroying Georgia's hopes of being that number one undefeated, not national championship, but they would have finished the regular season as that number one seed. And who else? I've got Cal later. I'm just kicking myself in the junk right now by betting on these two teams. I, you, we talk about it all the time. We've had our fantasy drafts, and we've talked about how you take the emotion out of it. That's when we won the, the fantasy football championship. But I had, my heart was in both C-notes that I threw across at the cashier because I went with my heart because Mark Ramos is a Houston Cougar. Okay. And, I, and I said, okay, they're going to cover the 10 and a half. I had no idea Cincinnati was an absolute juggernaut like they are right now. Uh, Ritter going absolutely nuts, throwing all over the secondary. So I, I went with Houston to cover, and then I went with Cal to beat, I think I went with Cal to beat USC because I'm planning on and this is something we'll probably get in a little bit later on the podcast, just the coaching carousel that happens so quickly inside the NCAA and maybe some of the repercussions of that. How does it affect players? How does it affect – we talk about how coaching changes in players moving affect organizations, but how about how coaching changes can actually affect what happens at the actual school and, and facility and the organization of, a, of an Oklahoma, let's say. Uh, Notre Dame is another one. I mean, these are institutions that lose a coach immediately. Do you just want to do this? Just want to talk NCAA? Yeah, we can do Since that. Since we're already we betting every, on everything and hoping for the best. Yeah, but my gamble on, on Cal is beating USC because Lincoln Riley is coming in from Oklahoma. But he bailed early. I don't understand. How come there can't be a timeline that says, finish the season like the you know NFL, NBA, you know, finish the season, then make that coaching change? Why can't it be like that? Why does it have to be like this? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I wish I knew. I think since COVID started, obviously they opened up that transfer portal so the players can leave at any time, and yep. the coaches have always had that. We know it's a big business. Um, you already mentioned the tickets that we have betting, and it's funny, our new friend Jordan out here mentioned uh, don't bet with your heart. And I'm like, you went to Cal, let's bet on Cal. Oh, Cal. dude, I fell right into that trap, and yeah. I'm going to wear it today. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm hey, down for it. They might win, you never know. So I, I think, like you said, you're either on the side of, let's go back to the bet, you're either yeah. on the side of, Lincoln Riley's coming in, and these guys are going to show out to show them that they want a spot on the because, roster. Because I've been in a college clubhouse or locker room. <laughs> yeah. Or, or you feel like those guys are going to be like, you know what? Lincoln Riley's coming in. He got three five-star recruits coming in from Oklahoma. Yeah, my job's gonna, gone. I'm going to transfer already. My job's gone. Yeah. So they're just going to they're gonna pack it in and show up. So I'm, I'm in that camp, and um, you know, I bet them with you. But I think it's unusual, and I think that the, the, the pushback or the feedback that we got – regards um in regards to lincoln riley versus brian kelly yeah. is interesting because lincoln riley it was like hey they was, praised him that's right it was last minute but hey this is a once in a lifetime opportunity would you like to stay in the sec where oklahoma is going to be next year or would you like to come out to usc which is very similar to like a notre dame where they're i know they're in the pac-12 but they're like they're an independent if you're good on the west coast you're going to be in that championship you're yeah. going to be in that you know the top four at the end of the year if you can win the pac-12 so I think they were looking at it to be like, hey, this is a great opportunity for him. But he did gather his team together, was able to talk to the guys about why he's making the decision, what's right for his family. And um, I don't know if this was media spin, but Brian Kelly had to send a tweet to his team saying, hey, look, guys, Is that even sorry. possible? How do you even think about that? I would, I would imagine Brian Kelly at the University of Notre Dame, and he was one of the longest tenured coaches at a university, and he decides to go to Twitter? Hey, I think when you get Gruden money, it's like they can make you do anything. All right, so that'll uh, change your mind in a hurry. Ten years, a hundred million. But I think that goes to the bigger point, which was your original question about how could he just leave and how can this just keep happening time and time again? Yeah. You'd think like with any other sport that we've talked about, the NFL and MLB, you can't talk until the playoffs are over. Last game of the World Series is over. And I can't enter a transfer portal until the end of the season. Right, as a player, yeah, you know, that too, yeah. So, so what, I mean, why isn't why, there a coach's portal? Yeah, so let's not have double standards, right? That's what we want. Some some kind of equanimity across. Well, there's the board. more of an impact on a coach moving than a player moving. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, that's the problem I have is because the impact that we talked about. Notre Dame is losing an established coach. You know, the fan base, the the booster clubs, everything that's involved. The, uh, a player who is playing, you know, football right now is going, man, I want to go to Notre Dame because Brian Kelly's been there forever. Now those dreams are washed away. And then you have the guy who is committed, and we're seeing this right now with Oklahoma commits, no longer Oklahoma commits. So everybody at the University of Oklahoma who has been there for a couple of years just riding the wave of Lincoln Riley are now going, wait, what? You know, who knows what's in store for them next year? Not, not to mention that would be a great job to probably pick up if you were able to move in and use some of those players. But now everybody's moving to USC and now you have a coach like Brian Kelly who just evaporated overnight and you left all of those players wondering what the hell they're going to do. Well, I think that's exactly why they hired Freeman, to be honest with you, because Oklahoma is still in the situation like who are they going to bring in? And now these big names are leaving. And, you know, we saw Luke Fickle, at least before we came in here, you know, with Cincinnati, yeah. he was rumored to be the Notre Dame guy. But there was a really nice video piece where Freeman walked in after he got the job and the Notre Dame guys went nuts. And I think there's that That's continuity. Huge, yeah. So Notre Dame's looking at it like, hey, this guy was our you Screw know, best that recruiter. Guy. Yeah, you can bail on us, but at least we got this guy. Yeah, we're, we'll we're, rally behind him. Right, and or most of the staff. Like, hey, True. we like the defensive coordinator. You know, maybe he was one of the main recruiters. You got to figure that Brian Kelly wasn't on the recruiting trail. Like, these guys have a lot of good recruiters. And so I think maybe Notre Dame chose continuity over experience, whereas, you know, Oklahoma's still kind of, I don't know, up in the air, for lack of a better word, and you don't know who's going to be available. Mm -hmm. And that, like you said, that may cause a lot more guys to leave. And I think you, you hit the nail on the head by saying, look, the coaches um, in college baseball have much more influence and are much more um, likely to change yeah. a program or a destiny than the players themselves. No, I completely agree on that. And what's great about college football is just the, these, the pomp and circumstance. And I had no idea, both Tuttle and I, being West Coast guys, Santa Clara did have a football team for a little bit, but not a powerhouse at the time. Cal, good sports. Well, we're in the Pac-12. We'll just say that. <laughs> Occasionally, they're good at sports, but they are, they're in the Pac-12, so there's going to be competitive football. But when I went to a Cal football game, there wasn't the energy. There wasn't the tradition. There wasn't the passion that I, ex I had the chance to experience this past weekend. So, over, if you have been following my, me on Instagram, you saw that uh, I had the opportunity to take my oldest daughter on a recruiting trip 
uh, not a recruiting trip, but it was more of a recruiting <laughs> trip in my eyes, you know, trying to convince her that Arkansas was either the place to be or the place not to be. And we got up there and I was absolutely floored because we drove eight hours from Houston into Fayetteville and I was fortunate enough to get tickets uh, to the to the Arkansas Missouri game. I had no idea that Mizzou was their rival, just because they're north on that on that Missouri border. So it was a big Mizzou state line battle going on between Arkansas and uh, and Missouri. And we had phenomenal seats, free beer, free food, front row seats. It was amazing. And my, I know what SEC football can be. And nothing to take away from Arkansas and how enjoyable that was. But I if that's just on the cusp of an Alabama or Death Valley at LSU or 105,000 at Texas A&M, good God. I mean, I sat in there with, it felt like a fishbowl of 75,000 people. And even I was woo pig suing. <laughs> woo pig suing. That's what you got to do when you're in Arkansas. You know what's funny is you called it a recruiting trip. I know, that's it was my for you mind, because though. that's where you went. You basically took your daughter to Arkansas to see if well, she'd like the campus, and you're like, "We got free beer, we got free tickets to the football game." That's yeah, how my recruiting trip. Yeah, was. mine too. There you go. So that's what I'm saying. But your daughter's like, "I don't know what, what well, are you talking what, about." That's what my daughter said. I'm, my, she was talking about it. She's like, "How many schools did you visit?" And I said, "Well, I went to Cal State Fullerton. I saw USC, UCLA. I was doing these schools when I was getting recruited for baseball." And then I told her, "I go, I got, I got on a plane and flew up to." Northern California and went on a visit by myself. And she was like, what? And I go, yeah, my mom and dad weren't, they didn't go with me. They didn't get to visit the school. It was for me. And she goes, they paid for that? And I'm like, yeah, they flew me up there and said, hey, come to our school. Look at how awesome it is. And I was sold, yeah. you know? So, and I'm like, man, she didn't even have the opportunity to go enjoy this, like with a friend or, you know, visit a campus on her own and really get to enjoy it. Probably like- She had to drag her family yeah, along. Yeah, she's like, like look at dad's back me. here. Everybody's staring at us. And, you know, you it's, could feel they were trying to run away from us. It's funny because we've talked about this before. Steve Nash was at Santa Clara when I was there, but uh, we didn't host a lot of big-time recruits at Santa Clara. We had- You like, had recruiting trips. Absolutely. But, and But I hosted Aaron Boone on a recruiting trip, and I knew, I, I already knew he was going to USC. It's almost like guys do that because they know they're not going to go to the school, but they'll show up and just be yeah. like, I'll get the free trip out of it. But the free trip- to, uh, you know, to Santa Clara is a little bit different. Like, if you want to take the free trip, I think uh, somebody was asking, uh, gosh, was go to Miami. Yeah, like, go go someplace <laughs> where you're going to enjoy it. Oh, I know who it was. Gainesville, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, they were asking uh, uh, Carson Palmer what his favorite recruiting trip was, and Rick Neuheisel was at um, uh, Colorado at the time. Oh, yeah. And so Carson Palmer's like, yeah, I knew I was going to USC, but he went to Colorado, <laughs> and he was saying that Neuheisel did a fantastic job of utilizing what they had. They did like a cow roping thing oh, wow. on the recruiting trip and they took him hiking and all this stuff. And he was like, hey, Rick it wasn't, Neuheisel's It wasn't like, like the movie Johnny Be Good? Yeah, I don't. I guess not, apparently. <laughs> but he said by far his favorite recruiting trip was Washington. But guess what? He was a Heisman Trophy winner at USC. So there you go. The recruiting trip can be what it is. Yeah, and that's, I mean, shoot, if you only have a couple or a handful, I don't know, even know what the rules are now, but I know there was a limit on how many you could do. But there were... I knew I was going to Cal, but I was sure as heck going to go on to UC, USC's campus and UCLA's and abuse the, you know, yeah. whatever they were given to me to go out there. Yeah. But uh, it was a blast. Well, let's let's try and let maybe drill down a little bit before we get into some baseball. But just what what is the difference? I mean, why was Brian Kelly uh, vilified and Lincoln Riley wasn't? And then what is the solution to this? Like, should it be more like a professional sport, which most people, when you're getting paid, these college coaches are making more than a lot of NFL coaches. So is it? that they need a deadline as well or some sort of like season end or I, I don't know what the solution is. Well, the is. only time you see in professional sports a manager, head coach uh, get let go, even in baseball, you know, offense coordinators, uh, hitting coaches, those types, of, those types of moves in season happen with a firing, you know, and then you hear interim. You have the interim head coach. You have the, the, the offensive coordinator that takes over. Or you have the, inter, the hitting coach or the bench coach moves into the interim job. And I've been on plenty of teams. You know, Felipe Alou uh, was fired when I was there. Bruce Bochy left the uh, San Diego Padres in the offseason. And then I was in uh, – I wasn't there when Jimmy Williams got fired. Who? Uh, Cecil Cooper. Cecil Cooper got fired my first year back in Houston when I was in there in 2008. And uh, Cecil got let go with a month to go. And they just moved uh, our third base coach into that uh, head coaching spot, which was Dave Clark. And 
it's beyond me how Dave Clark doesn't have a, co- a head coach or a managing job right now. Uh, he's one of the better dudes, but it always happened in the middle of the uh, he season. Loves Cecil. What are you talking about? He was the worst. <laughs> I know. If there's going to be some the Houston fans said. listening to this, man. Yeah. Cecil Cooper was the worst. You want a Cecil Cooper story? Yeah, and I probably I probably That's initiated some of this. We're in Vegas. We don't. We're, yeah. we're, we're drinking water here. though. It's we're drinking water here. Yeah, yeah no, nobody's nobody, say nobody will hear this. So I I signed in 2008 back from San Diego with the Houston Astros for my second go around. Cecil Cooper's the manager. I had called Brad Osmus and said, hey, what's Cecil Cooper like? Because he was the bench coach the previous year. They fired uh, Phil Garner. Cecil Cooper's the guy. I go in every year in spring training. The manager will bring in players one by one, introduce themselves, get to know them. But when you have some of the veteran guys, and I was a veteran at the time, he brings me in and he goes, hey, you know, uh, this is your game plan. You're going to play X amount of innings. You're going to get this many at-bats. You know, we just kind of go through the game plan. How many at-bats do you think are going to get you ready? I say 50, and I'll be ready to go. So you kind of work things out like that. And then he asked me, you know, when's your family coming in? Because every, everybody brings their family down for spring break, no matter how old they are. And you, you want to play, but at the same time, you want to entertain. And spring training is a little more casual. And we worked it out. Everything was great. And I stood up and I said, thanks. Good meeting you, Cecil. Let's, you know, let's go get 2008. And he goes, you can call me Coop. And I went, okay, Cecil. <laughs> See you tomorrow. <laughs> that was it. Why? Because you knew you didn't I'm like it at the jerk. time? I'm just a jerk. I'm just a jerk. You know, I, I, it's the clubhouse humor. It's that, it's that wit. It's the banter. It's the. But then that set you off on the wrong foot. But I think, you know, I don't think he had an idea of who I was, and maybe I was testing who he was, and I pushed, I, I think I pushed the wrong button. And not that we didn't get along, but uh, it definitely didn't endear myself to him at all. No, you know, oil and water sometimes in the clubhouse. You throw 25 guys in there, and you don't yeah. always get along with everybody. And then a lot of times I've mentioned guys that I know that you were teammates with that I didn't like at all. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, no, great teammate. Love that guy. So it's No, like- you know who that one guy is. It's always A.J. Piersinski. <laughs> Anyways, so getting back to the question, it feels like professional sports are always on the back end. They're always an off-season move. So there's not that necessity to, break, to come in on the team and say, guys, I'm leaving. I'm going to the New York Mets. You know, there's none of that going on during the regular season. I don't feel like, I, I mean, if I'm wrong, I'd love to be told, but I, I just feel like professional sports would always do it in the off season. But why isn't it like that for college football where college football feels like it's more of a relationship between coach and player because they're sitting in your, in your living room, wherever that may be. And you're going, please come to my school. I think you're worthy of it. And you establish that relationship. And I can speak for myself with my, my head baseball coach, it was, he was he was my pseudo father while I was in school, yeah. and even to this day, Seven. you know he's really stepped in. Seven's one of the best, and you got to play with him on Team USA, and he really took me in, and that was where the emotion kind of came for me and created that pride in the school. If he would have left in the middle of, of my my tenure at Cal, I would have fallen out. I don't know what yeah. would have happened to me, but that's where I think that college football needs to find a way to allow these guys to finish a season at least, instead of having Oregon, you know, for for LSU coaching out the season, knowing he's never he's not he's not going to be there again. No. And you know that's another Orgeron was uh, they I mean he won the national championship two years ago and he's out. <laughs> what have you done for me lately? I think he got a seventeen million dollar buyout. So what have oh. you done for me lately? Yeah, it's I'll like, coach a couple more games. Yeah, maybe I'll just I'll stick it out and uh, you know if I have to live in the Bayou, seventeen million should go a long way. So, oh, but but I I do think I, there isn't really an answer. But I, I totally agree with you hundred percent because those recruiting trips and the coaches come into your office or your your house, excuse me, not your office, and they sit in your living room. And they're like, hey, they're, your parents are sitting there they're with them. They're appealing to your and family. And they're saying, yeah. hey, absolutely. We, uh, like, well, what's the next step in your family? You. Yeah, That's you're leaving my home. Am I comfortable enough putting him with this guy? That's right. The father figure aspect. And they definitely use that. And then when Brian Kelly s- sends out a tweet saying, hey, I'm leaving you guys oh. high and dry. And that's why I think he got vilified. I don't know if Lincoln Riley made everybody feel better, but it seemed like gathering your team together, right? This is what we talked about earlier, like a handshake and looking somebody in the eye is a better way to do it. So I think that that's probably why Brian Kelly got a lot of heat for that. But it, I think the process is a little bit broken. I hear sportscasters and sports talk media all the time talk about, hey, this is what the system is. And if it's that yeah. way, then you're going to leave. And you can't fault the guy for leaving because if he doesn't, I mean, Lincoln Riley was on a private jet on Sunday to do the press conference because if he didn't, USC is going to hire somebody else. And when does this opportunity uh, come along? Yeah, and I think that probably needs to be clarified too is I'm not angry at, you're angry at the way they handle it. You're not angry at the move they made. 
because you know as well as I do, and, we've, and we'll talk about it because we're going to talk about uh, Major League Baseball free agency. Uh, I've got a couple of things to tell everybody about the CBA that, uh, you know, I cannot. You do? Talk, well, you have a couple of things to tell us about CBA, Blower? Okay, well, it's going to be a that. couple of nothings, but uh, it's going to be a great big nothing burger is what you're going to get. But what I'm trying to say is, is you're always trying to, you don't know how long these gigs are going to last. You don't know how long the coaching job is going to last. You don't know how long your big league career is going to be. So get yours. And if you have the opportunity to get 10 years, $100 million, or have a $17 million buyout, life-changing money for these guys, and they've earned the right to make that choice. Yeah, then we could come podcast for a living. If I had $17 million, the bank would just come here and hang out every day. Yes, please. I do have a question. Your bets that, would be more interesting. Oh, they would be a lot better. <laughs> well, you don't know what I'm betting. Hey, I, I do have, have a question. Uh, yeah, but the um, so we can finish up this coaching thing, but uh, somebody brought this up. Lincoln Riley's dogs. Oh, That's Boomer and Sooner. Boomer and Sooner. Can you rename dogs is the question a, of the day. That's a great UOB. question. Yeah, I Mine mean, doesn't respond to Roxy, so I could call her whatever. <laughs> I So this is my thought is, I, you know, dogs kind of respond to voice tone. That's what they joke about, right? There was an old yeah. far side joke that said what you say to the dog, like, bad dog, move over here, sit here. Fido and all of the dog yeah. ears, blah, 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 Fido, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's a syllable thing. But it hurt thing. Fido. Yeah. That's the name. Yeah. So Can you change it. Yeah. So do you, does he change his dog's name to Fight and On? Or what? what is, what's the oh, USC dude. dog's name? You know Boomer what? and Sooner? Dude, he could call him whatever he wants. I can't stand <laughs> USC. I know. Neither can I. I mean, they're, they're going to come back into relevancy, and it's going to be annoying as hell to have all the USC alumni that just come out of the woodwork and go, oh, USC, the Trojans are back. I don't know. Do you call one latex and the other one Ooh. goat skin? Uh-oh. <laughs> We're going to have to change the rating on the podcast. Yeah, he doesn't like that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm out of that, that conversation. Uh, on that, I, no, on that note, how about yeah. a word from our sponsor? Yeah, how about that? <laughs> the best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts that help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. And we're back. We appreciate the sponsors and everything that they are doing for us. We also appreciate the Blue Wire podcast because we are, I'm staring at a control room that rivals what the AT&T studios put on for us. They, the guys are amazing. It's incredibly welcoming, but the technology back there is going to make us sound amazing, and that's all I care about. But there's, what, 10, 15 cameras in this place? So I feel like you're just, you're, every angle of this mug is getting crushed. <laughs> just make sure you're flexing every time that this uh, yeah, video pops up. Tighter T-shirt. Yeah. Hey, I, will I got the Schmedium on. Yeah, the Schmedium. I, I will say this, that, uh, you know, it's funny to be in the studio with you because we've talked about this before. Being remote all the time is like, uh, you know, this this kind of brings uh, brings it home, you know, a little reality that we're, uh, I know. we're reaching the listeners as we watch people walk by. Hello, yeah. Mr. Cowboy out there. There he goes. Oh, yeehaw. The rodeo's in town. The, the Raiders are playing uh, the Washington football team. I almost said a really bad word right there. And uh, the Pac-12 championship was on Friday. What else is going on? That was on? last night. The rodeo. There's a lot going on. Yeah, there were a lot more Cowboys on our plane for Mark and I coming from Houston to here, which kind of thoroughly shocked me. I did not anticipate that at all. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. And what happened... Do I talk about CBA or do I just do I start with free agency, go to CBA, or should I just burst the bubble right now on the CBA issue? No, I think you should. There's a lockout. Yeah. Well, I can say that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lockout. Now, I am contracted through the Houston Astros to do their television broadcast. I am not contracted with AT&T Sportsnet Southwest. So, therefore, stay with me. Being a con contracted non-uniform Astro employee puts me in a bubble where I cannot, I cannot anymore. If you go back a couple of podcasts, you'll get a really good idea of what the CBA is going through. And we actually predicted 
again, what is going on and what the conversation might be. But from this point moving on until that lockout is lifted and there is a CBA agreement, Jeff Blum of the Houston Astros organization has been told legally that I cannot say anything about the CBA. Can you surmise as to when the CBA, uh, when the lockout will end? Meaning, I think this meaning, is a great question. Okay, because- I've had, this, I've had this conversation with a couple of people. This is a great question. Because right, we don't have to talk about, and I'll just give you a little foundation there. Meaning somebody was saying, don't panic yet, right? Because we know this and that. So I think it was saying, you and I. Oh, all right. We said, don't panic yet. Yeah. We, is, but it, what's the date we said? Did we say February 1st, if there's no progress by February? Because spring training starts March, April, and then- No, continue with that thought. So, You're right on. All right. So I'm Because just, games, games, no. games are money. Right. And, and, that, and that's what the owners care about. And then how does that relate to these contracts we're seeing that we'll get into? So I'm just curious as to know, is there a time for the, the lay person, the Bleacher Blums listeners, the fans, the baseball, you know, the casual baseball fan mm -hmm. to go, oh my God, look at these rich, spoiled people doing what they seem to always do. I mean, is there a time for panic? Man, my brain, I've got like one side wanting to just blow up and say some stuff, but I, I've got to be very careful. So I think in this, in what Tuttle is talking about, you know, there, we'll get into the free agent contracts that have been handed out and who has signed and maybe some notables who have not signed. And as the current situation sits, my idea of when this might end is the end of January, like you said, February 1st. And the reason I think that is because you have spring training coming up in February. Report dates are usually right around uh, Valentine's Day. So it'd be a nice, you know, gift to everybody to have this warm-hearted, loving CBA agreement, which is not going to be like that until that point. But the reason I say that is because once you start playing games and once you start getting players into spring training, you start to get an idea of what your club is going to be like moving forward. Now, there were a ton, a slew of moves before that December 1st date uh, deadline for the contract to be renegotiated and approved. It was not the lockout started on December 1st. The reason I think it's going to be you know, the end, end of January, early February is because you still have arbitration hearings. Guys who had their contracts tendered before the, before the lockout. You still have several free agents. You've got contract renewals and you have the, uh, the Rule 5 draft. So all of these things have been suspended and you're going to go ahead and say, I'm going to start a big league season in spring training and all of a sudden have a, another free agent frenzy. You're going to have a, a Rule 5 draft where you're trying to evaluate other teams, uh, players that you can pick on. And then, the, good Lord, arbitration hearings in the middle of all that mess. I mean, if people are, if you're a mediator in South Florida or Arizona, you're in great shape. You're going to be working for a couple of, a couple of days or weeks, if not during the spring training. That's right. But that's why I think that you and I have focused on that date. I think you think the same, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, I, and I, that, that's kind of why I asked you, because I thought you might, you know, add a little more depth to it as you did. And that's exactly right. You know, it's funny. You guys are waiting for me to calm down all day. I was like jibber jabbering and taking you guys right. Blummer's on fire, man. He was Dude, ready. I love this environment, man. Yeah. This place he, is rad. He was ready to come to Vegas. Yeah. I like it. Um, yeah. So with the, with the CBA that you're not allowed to talk about, um, I think it's interesting because I sent you an article um, and there's the eight, uh, eight player kind of committee yep. that sits with um, the guy that took Donald Fierce's spot. Really interesting, um, yeah. And I can't remember that, but Scherzer gets that deal done, that three-year, $130 million Jeez, deal or whatever yes, he yeah. got before, and he's sitting on this committee that's actually supposed to be representing the players. I mean, I, I don't think that's a conflict of interest, but I wonder what that says about um, where where we are, and I don't know if you're allowed to talk about that. Can we talk about the free agency deals? Like, the, Yeah, I, it, I think it's good to have... I think it's good to have some guys who have big money in there because those guys usually fight for the guys who want to eventually earn that money. Yep. That'll be a, the extent of what I say Perfect. about that. That's fine. All right, let, then let me ask a better question about yeah. free agents. Like a three-year, $130 million deal. Like, dude, what's That's outstanding. The guy's 37. I know. That's what blew me away. And I know that, you know, the Justin Verlander uh, contract is up in the air because it wasn't officially announced before the lockout. Is he going to be an Astro? Is he going to, you know, where does that thing stand? I think that's really interesting. And the only reason I kind of, you know, jumped on that is because he's the, uh, Justin Verlander coming off, just, uh, Justin Verlander yeah. coming off Tommy John surgery, not BS surgery, Tommy John yeah. surgery, TJ is the same age as Max Scherzer. And, you know, those are older guys who have, a very good track record, are they going to be worth that money moving forward? Scherzer's a competitor, but you can compete all you want. If you don't have the stuff to back it up, you're just another guy, yeah. and you're hoping for the best. I don't, how did you feel about that? Knowing, I mean, the three-year deal makes sense to me, and 
again, God bless him for yeah. crushing the Mets. The Mets, Steve Cohen went nuts. Yeah, and that was the other topic I was going to say. So that's a lot of money, average annual value. And we've talked about this with the Angels before, but the, the God's honest truth is the Mets need pitching, right? And then they lost their, you Dude, know. who wants to go into a weekend and know you have to face Scherzer and DeGrom. I don't give a damn who the third guy is. Right. I know that I'm getting my butt kicked for two days. And I think we've said this all along. I mean, the owners are making money. And so when they sneak a deal out there, oh, and I, yeah. think, I think when you have an, um, maybe a rogue owner uh, like, uh, uh, like, yeah. Steve, like Steve Cohen, it's going to upset the apple cart a little bit because you have him throwing money at people. You have him, um, you know, and, and that's win at all costs. But then the other owners are like, whoa, 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 what's going on over here? But, but I also think, um, and I think I might have told you this also, um, somebody was saying that, uh, oh, Steve Phillips was saying this on MLB. Mm -hmm. I want to give him credit. So uh, Steve Phillips was saying that this is what, this is what GMs cannot stand. <laughs> because if you're an agent, you just want to get at the purse strings, right? You just want to get at the pocketbook. Yeah. And here's a guy going, the GM and the agent are going back and forth, and the GM can go to the owner and say, look, hey, I want you to play bad cop here. I'm good cop, you're bad cop, or vice versa, and you can do all these things. Well, guess what Steve Cohen's doing? He's undermining the GM, and there is no bad cop. Like, what do you no, want? Well, oh, you want $130 million? Cohen's, here you yeah. go. He's, so a, the he's the guy that rolls like, into the, he rolls into the, the Ferrari dealership yeah. or the Bentley dealership. And he, yeah. he's not arguing over the price. He's going, how much is it? Here you go. Yeah, here you go. There's no haggling whatsoever. And I think it was an interesting point that Steve Phillips gave. So every agent's now going, hey, all and it's right. Usually like, that's how the, that's, you know this, because you actually got to sit on the agent side for a little bit, but that's what the agent comes back. And it's the same way when you're buying a car, they go to the, the GM of the dealership, and they're like, well, they just can't make that move, you know, or they say that Steve Cohen, I, you know, that just, that, that's just too big a number, yep. you know? Yep. And I mean, he, who was he negotiating against? That's what kills me. Was somebody else in on the Scherzer deal that made Steve Cohen get up there? I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. But like you said, when you got to go against Scherzer and DeGrom, maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe he's like, all right, here we go. And if they, you know, we've said this too, they're making money all along. It makes the franchise more valuable. If they win the World Series, who cares? Even if they make the playoffs in New York, oh, it's man, like they need right. to make the playoffs. Yeah, I think that's probably. It's, you know, what's funny. You sign those guys and you say, "Oh, we've got a real chance to win the World Series." But I think Cohen's sitting there going, "We just need to make the playoffs." You know, because I think they really missed an opportunity with the Yankees not making it to the playoffs and being as bad as they've been in the last couple of years, not getting into the playoffs and stealing some of their thunder. And I think that's where Steve Cohen kind of sits too. Is like, how do I peel the fan base away? Uh, signing Starling Marte was a phenomenal move. Uh, Rodriguez, they they signed to play the infield to go with uh, Lindor. I, they're going to be a very good team, and I think it it's a ton of money, but I think it was smart money. I totally agree, especially in that market. Now, how yeah. does that how does that re relate to the Blue Jays and the Rangers? The Blue Jays are, you know, they're with the Red Sox and the Yankees, and they want to fight payroll. But man, they still seem just like that team. It's kind of like the Orioles when they had Buck Showalter. Well, the Blue Jays got your run. guy. Yeah, they oh, yeah. robbed him from yeah. uh, the San Francisco Giants. Well, they wanted him last year as well, and yeah. but a but they lost Robbie deal. Ray. Yeah, so they lost Cy Young winner to get Gaussman, and it's like. Eh. I don't know. My, my, my thought is the Blue Jays have to be in that market to compete, but I don't know if they can value-wise. And then the Rangers, they're throwing money oh, at guys. Man. And it's kind of like... There was a lot of anticipation like about that in Texas, that they were just going to start firing money all over the place. And they really went out on a limb. Two guys, 500 million? Yeah. And that's not pitching. And we know pitching and defense wins games. So, I mean... You know. And if you've been watching any of the Astros games and watching the American League West, like Tuttle is with the Angels going through and playing the Rangers, the one thing they are lacking has been pitching. I don't know what's in their pipeline or who else, who's going to be moving up. But even if they are rookie pitchers and they're, they're brilliant, I mean, that's still a lot of ask on young arms to back up an offense that should be putting up better runs this year. But, I, it, yeah, they're, the middle of the infield got better, but I'm not sure how much better that's going to be without pitching being able to back it up. And, and you can impress the fans, and you can do a couple of things. I mean, we've already talked about – Oh, they signed John Gray. I forgot about that. The guy from Colorado. That's yeah. four years, $64 million, but that's that's a strong pickup. But it's one guy. So yes, it always true. just seems to be leveraged. I know the nine guys play more games, you know, uh, on, in the field, and we've talked about Rendon and Trout and Otani. But, you know, signing, you know, 
Thor from the Mets isn't like the greatest. A one-year deal. Yeah, a one-year deal. And it's kind of like eh, iffy. It's like that's not going to help them in the American League West. And I said this to you maybe off-air or on-air before, but it's surprising how when it comes down to crunch time with the Astros, everybody that's a formidable lineup with Correa and Bregman and Altuve, and you go through that lineup and Tucker came on and you have all these guys and Gurriel who won the batting title. You think of hitting – what get, keeps them in games is their pitching and defense, and they won the 100%. platinum glove, as you said. They were the number one defense in the American League. I mean, that's that's I mean, that's what wins at that time of year. So mm-hmm. great, the Angels can get there, the Blue Jays can get there with Vlad Guerrero Jr. But do you want Gossman facing Verlander in the playoffs? Yeah, if you're an Astro, yeah, I think you, do. you take that. I would take that any day of the week. Right. I think it would be a great move. Uh, you know, Anaheim's an interesting story too. You know, Noah Syndergaard being that, uh, you know, just a one-year deal coming off Tommy John surgery, a little bit of a, they're taking a gamble on him, but also you're seeing Noah Syndergaard gamble on himself also, which is kind of interesting. Uh, right before the lockout too, I was hearing that they were going to, they had a four-year deal on the table with Rysele Iglesias. And I think that probably might be one of the more important signings for the Angels just to close out games because their bullpen has been garbage yeah. for a very long time. They've been trying to mix and match and, and see what they're able to do over there. But uh, if they get Rysele Iglesias, I think that's a very, that's a linchpin at the end of the game to be able to get through the game. I'm really curious to see how many guys are left in Oakland after Bob Melvin left to go to the San Diego Padres because you talk about a glue guy. It's it, not too often that we talk about managers being a glue guy, but Bob Melvin was the heartbeat and the glue of the Oakland A's. I think that that's going to be a huge issue in Oakland after they've been so successful, won the West uh, in 2020, have been competing in second place or a wild card move without Bob Melvin and the idea of trading guys like Matt Olson, Matt Chapman, and Canis. Uh, well, he's signed with the Mets, Mets too. too. I, I, I mean, to that, bring him that was up. a that's great right. piece. You know, he's a great. He's making good money, but he's a he's a role guy. You know, he's a peripheral guy that's going to actually help you out and make you uh, sustainable. But uh, the Oakland A's, man, it might be the end of the world for them. And that man, that stadium's going to be empty. Oh, it is, and it's amazing how it relates to what we said anyway before, which is about the uh, uh, about guys leaving, like the college coaches that we were talking about, like Brian yeah. Kelly leaves. I mean, Bob Melvin is definitely that well-respected oh, man, blue yeah. guy. And the A's don't have a lot of long-term deals, and they certainly don't have a lot of you know money invested in those guys. And now that we've seen all the other teams leave uh, leave the Oakland area anyway, we were already talking about the Raiders being here in Las Vegas. Might they left Oakland. The process. Golden State Warriors left, and they're in that beautiful Chase Center across the way. It's kind of like man. maybe the A's will go somewhere else or build a stadium. I don't know, but they've well, got we to, are they got to we are in Las Vegas, and it was the craziest thing to get off the plane and see Raiders gear all over the airport, and so. Seeing the success, seeing the the way that the Las Vegas Knights have been playing, the arenas that these guys are playing in, they're gorgeous. You, it makes you wonder if they would be able to sustain a Major League Baseball franchise here. I know it would open up the idea, and who knows, you know, maybe in the future of baseball and all sports, betting is all of a sudden going to become a, a piece to bring in that younger crowd and obviously bring in more resources to the leagues. But you had a, you played in the minor leagues here in Las Vegas. You didn't stay at the you know, the win or the Aria or whatever. I mean, you were staying at the Palace Station and- uh, Palace Station. Yeah, the Golden Nugget or where, where were you at? What was it like playing here? Uh, it was hot and dry. And as a pitcher, <laughs> as man, a pitcher, that ball you flies. did not want to see that ball carrying that far. But uh, yeah, no, I enjoyed it. I think one of the, I, I, I mentioned this to you off air before, it was great. But uh, one of my favorite things is the visiting clubhouse guy worked at the Hard Rock as a valet. So on that minor, nice that minor league salary, it was like, hey, honey, you want to go to uh, Las Vegas in the off season? I, <laughs> I got a guy who can get us a $90 room over at the Hard Rock. But uh, yeah, no, it was great. But uh, like you said, as a pitcher, the whole P- PCL, the Pacific Coast League, was really rough on pitchers. You had, you know, 100-degree weather that got down oh, to about man. 85, 90 at night. And uh, Did you say hangover? Uh, what did I say? What? No. I didn't what? Say huh? What? <laughs> no. I don't remember what I said, but. No, and you know what? Just getting back to the American League West, uh, the Astros really didn't make many moves. You know, Carlos Correa is one of those free agents that's still out there. Obviously, a lot of concern around him. I think it is very interesting to see Corey Seager go out there and get $325 million from the Texas Rangers. You know, that that is a value that I think that, you know, Carlos Correa is better than. I, I personally, I haven't watched a ton of Corey Seager, but I feel like Carlos Correa is a better player. I think that their numbers are comparable as far as games played, but I think there is a higher upside. And you saw it this year, Carlos Correa, another all-star 
gets the gold glove, gets the platinum glove. So everything is uh, trending in the right direction for him. So I would, it would be easy to imagine that uh, annual average value of that contract, the AAV that we always talk about, being much greater than Corey Seager's. But the number that pops on that contract for me is the 10. That is exactly where I think the sticking point for a guy like Carlos Correa is the 10-year deal. He's what, a year or two older than Seager? Uh, he's might not, be not a much year. older. He's no, 27. He's 27. Yeah. Yeah. Seager's got to be 25, I would guess. He's 25, 26. Yeah. Well, we can look that up. But I mean, Mark, what are you doing? Looking it up. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's our guy. Yeah, there he is. So the point is, though, like you said, the 10 could be the sticking point. But when you start looking around, and I think you make a great point, Fernando Tatis, $300 million. Machado, $300 mm-hmm. million. I mean, these guys are high two, three, $300 million. Eight, nine, 10 years. I mean, Lindor got a big deal. I mean, now Seager has a big deal. And I would agree with you. I mean, you're a little biased. I mean, you admit it, being an Astros guy. And oh, yeah, I'm a complete a homer. Seager, so. But Correa, I mean, asking scouts and guys around the league, I just think, man, 10 years. Sorry, they're both 27. They're oh. both 27. Oh, oh man. So, yeah. And Lindor got a 10-year deal, too. So, I mean, those yeah. guys are all around the same age, but a 10-year deal. And how, man, Lindor's start in New York did not get off to a great start. I think it's going to be nice to have him have some of those other guys in the periphery around him, surrounding him, taking some of the thunder away from that monster deal. So, hopefully, he gets back to being Fra- you know, Fra- Frankie Lindor. Uh, but, uh, you know, it'll be really interesting. And if the universal, can I say universal DH? That's been rumored. But if that becomes a thing. Are you allowed to talk about that? Well, let's let's just say, just (laughs) in fantasy land, if there was actually a universal DH, that would actually encourage people maybe on these 10-year deals that you could Albert Pujolson. You know, because I think that's what Artie Moreno thought in Anaheim is I could have him play first base for four or five years. And if he really... You know, bombs out. We didn't really know he was going to put on 58 pounds and, you know, break (laughs) his feet. But, you know, you can move him to DH and still try and retain some of the value in that sense. And that's one of the big changes that I'm a proponent of. I mean, having played baseball, we just talked about Las Vegas and the AAA. uh, The the Dodgers had their AAA organization there when I was playing for the Tucson Sidewinders with the Diamondbacks. And uh, I would say that the universal DH having to bat in AAA against the other National League teams oh, man. is something I'm a big am big favor of. I mean, I, <laughs> you know, I might have been one for 20 with 18 punch outs, maybe a couple sack bunts in there. I would but, say a couple of dude, moves. when you stand yeah. in there, you know, and you're not used to it, like I could bunt actually because we worked on that all the time. But man, guy throwing 94 and trying to, you're like, it, it doesn't that's, enhance the game. It's a strategy but thing. But that's the thing, though. That's the reason that pitchers suck at bunting again, or. No, I shouldn't say again. The reason the pitchers suck at bunting is because pitching has gotten so much better. Like you said, who wants to dig in or who wants to put who wants to put Max Scherzer on a three-year, $130 million deal? Put him out there and have him bunt. Yeah, break a finger, squaring around a bunt. Oh, punt. my gosh. Yeah, and the American good. League West is playing against the National League East this upcoming season, and you're going to have him you know, dig in against Noah Syndergaard, who's fired up in, you know, I almost said Shea Stadium too. Man, I'm old, dude. But it's City <laughs> what Field. What is it, City Field? Yeah, right? City Field, digging in City Field and have Noah Syndergaard in a gray uniform fired up in front of the fans, all of a sudden pump 98 with yeah. turbo sink in on the knuckles of Max Scherzer. No! You don't have to explain it to me. I've, I've been there. Yeah. I've been in that batter's box looking at those guys, and that was, you know, 20 years ago. Hey, I just watched a guy walk by in Christmas garb. I will give Vegas credit here because... In my neighborhood, the day after Thanksgiving hit, it was like Christmas was here. I'm like, dude, what the is it? Up. November 29th. Is your tree up? Uh, it's going up this morning. Oh, dude. Our tree went up on descent, like November 29th. Yeah, but this is a left turn we're taking. But man, Target, like after <laughs> Halloween, Target's got all the stuff out. I'm like, what? I dude, mean, they, they, I give Vegas credit because there's not a lot of stuff here that says yeah. Christmas yet. I watched a guy just As far as like decorations and yeah, stuff. Yeah, like, and so maybe we just haven't been around. We just got here today, but you, did you ever Do you ever go to like the Weenie Roast at Irvine Meadows and, you know, some of these concert venues where they have like these festivals? So and Irvine they, Meadows is no longer in existence. I know, it's, a, it's yes, an apartment complex now, right? They do have right? festival. It's an apartment complex. Yeah, just to, you know, just, just a burst Because we are old. That's the right. Shea Stadium well, doesn't exist anymore. That. It was there when he was at UC Irvine, and now it's not there anymore. So. so they would have the revolving stage, and I feel like that's what Target has. <laughs> oh, yeah, they just <laughs> they, have that. They just church. all of a sudden, they just flip the stage, and they just turn it around. On the backside is everything Christmas. Immediately, the second that you've taken that nap... <laughs> From the tryptophan kick that you got from Turkey, all of a sudden you wake up and you're in friggin' you're in a winter wonderland in the middle of Target, dude. Yeah. 
Oh my God, that's awesome. <sighs> so anyway, so so the baseball stuff is getting crazy, and I, and I think when you you already mentioned Rysel, um what's Rysel's last? Iglesias. Uh, Iglesias. So with the CBA thing, and I think this is something you're allowed to discuss. Shh. Or does everything? Shh, don't talk about. Don't even say. <laughs> this CBA. is not. This is not. Jeff. Collective bargaining agreement. <laughs> this is not Jeff Lum who works for the Astros and AT&T Sportsnet. They need disclaimers. Um, so with that, um, do those contracts, I mean, this is kind of the, I guess, the tenuous situation of a lockout is that. Yeah, it could affect he, future. Right, because he was ready to sign, it sounds like. Yeah. Or you were saying Verlander had that agreement too, but they never maybe signed on the dotted line. Mm-hmm. I mean, these guys are of kind of put an agreement in place, maybe even a handshake, but nothing is good until yeah, that's the a good ink point. is dry. Is yeah, that yeah, correct? That doesn't well, that could be yet. something. Who's to say that they're not? I, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Any, anyways. I think, anyways, that, I think anyways, we can read yeah. between the lines. Gotcha. But no, there, there yeah. have been hand, you know, there's been in the past, just to use a random, random example, a guy played for a team in, Houston, let's say, <laughs> and he knew Hypo- he, he knew a GM allegedly. He, he hypothetically knew a GM that just got hired in Arizona, and that guy in Arizona knew the contract status of that player in Houston, and maybe called before the World Series was over and said, "Hey, would you?" And maybe the player went, "Yeah, yeah. I would." Yeah. And you know, he ended up there. Yeah. You know, that's, that's amazing. Some, that's an amazing you know, story. And there wasn't anything signed. It was just you know, it was a gentleman's agreement, and you have the conversation. So I'm sure some of that stuff is going to happen. But uh, I, I think I we're don't... outside the statute of limitations. I think you're okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, actually, that guy's no longer with us. I know. I God, mean, God. sorry to make you. Well, now, now we know who the players are in the whole situation. No, we do not. Yeah, you did. You just called him out by not calling him I out. I said he's no longer with us. That's all I said. Well, the only guy, that I, the only GM I played for that isn't here with us, unfortunately, is Kevin right. Towers. Oh, sorry. No, it was. Kevin. I didn't know it was you. But I also did I just go hypothetically? I went high register on yeah. you too. I don't think I've ever used that voice on this podcast. What? Well, the emotion's real when it's. I mean, I can feel you. <laughs> I literally can feel you. All right. Well, that's yeah. good. Reach out. Ooh, careful. Touching me, touching you. All right. We're gonna have to put an explicit by this podcast. All right. You know what's crazy is the Mets went nuts signing all these guys. Guess what they don't have? Mm, a manager. They don't have a manager. Ooh. Isn't that crazy? I didn't know. That's another thing going into this whole lockout situation is that you can't, there's no transactions at all. And you can't even hire a manager right now. Do they have a GM who will not expose himself on? uh, As far as we know, I think it's Billy. Billy Epler just got hired by the the Mets. Yeah, he was with the Angels when Brad Osmus was there. Yep. And uh, he was a front office guy with the Rockies when yes. I met him when I was working as agent. Oh, okay. And then he came over to the Angels. Yeah, he's a rising a star. He's a good guy. Yeah, yeah, he's done a really good job. And uh, he was hired right before the lockout situation. He actually got through some of these contracts. And uh, am I right? Thank goodness, man. Yeah. I'm paying attention to something. So hypothetically, he may be having convert. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, hypothetically, he may be on a text chain with somebody <laughs> that knows somebody that knows gotcha. a number. No, but know. they do have a GM. But your point is, they don't have a manager. They don't have a manager. How great is it if you're sitting back and you're and you're one of these guys that have already been on an interview, or you're trying to line up an interview after this whole situation unfolds, and you're able to get back out there? Wouldn't it be great to be the guy that's sitting at home, going, "Man, looking at that yeah, that Mets roster and going, woo, doggy, I got it." I'm going to nail down this second interview if I get the opportunity, man, because that would be a great gig right now. And the whole culture is going to shift with some of those guys that they brought in. Marte's uh, a unique player. I think Scherzer alone, I mean, that's a guy who has a voice and probably be a great mentor for DeGrom as far as how to handle himself. But that's a guy in a New York media that is going to be able to put his face and his mind and his brain and its and his mouth out there and actually say some decent things to be able to help that team go. But it's kind of crazy to me that they've signed all these guys and there's not nobody to write that ship or run that ship right now. We haven't had a player manager since Pete Rose, if I recall. Oh, maybe, who could maybe, it be? Maybe Max Scherzer could be a player manager. Who would player be a coach? player manager? That would be great. I, was, I, I thought about that when Brian McCann was with the Astros. I'm like, if there was anybody – that could actually like run a ball club and, and and have an impact on the field to be a guy like a Brian McCann. Why is it always a catcher? That's a great question. Scott Service, catcher. Kevin Cash, catcher. Brad Austin, Bruce, Bruce Bochy, Bochy, catcher. Yeah. I mean, there's there's Bob Melvin, catcher. You know, which, they, which I need to sign that petition that you and I propose on this podcast, which is they call the catching equipment tools of ignorance. But if that was true, then why does everybody that yeah, has why don't a good you call them that? Why don't, yeah, why is <laughs> it the tools? How do the tools of ignorance become running a ball club? Yeah, I think it's just or, it's just or how can a guy like Machete, Machado, yeah. Alvinado, how can he uh, like bat one ninety 
and still be on the field and have every day. Tremendous it's value because he's awesome. Yeah, and they're awesome, and so I think they have that's to absorb a, so much information. And I think that's what makes catchers very good. And, and you know, the one aspect too is sitting behind home plate. You see the whole field. You've got to react to everything. You've got to manage personalities on the mound. You've got to manage situations and understand you're dealing with the manager and pitching coach the entire ball game and before and after. So it's a lot of it is the preparation and things like that. What do you got? I got I got nothing, man. Did we're you just see? rocking. Okay, so Ooh, I, I gotta look I've, up I've our got bets. A, I've got another bets while well, we're the, here. Mark. Does oh. anybody is there any tissue in here? Oh no. We need well, to find he some knew, tissue. He knew they were gonna lose. I just wanted Well, and I I knew that they were gonna take my money. Oh, so anyways, the, the Cougs went down 35-20. The Cinderella story of the Bear Kitties is still rolling. I, I, you got the Alabama score by any chance? I do. Oh, well, we won that bet for sure. What happened? Did uh, Alabama end up blowing them out? Yeah, they crushed. 41-24. But we knew that was going to happen. That was another bet that blew me. Six and a half points? I'm yeah. taking Bama every time. Yeah. Well, like, you know, this is what we were saying. I'm not a poker player. <laughs> Jordan yeah. brought oh, in he some brought, tissue. Yeah, we got some tissue. Oh, I love our it. Coo- our coo- <laughs> Baby. <laughs> yeah, we need to, Mark, when you get home, go ahead and put the weeping uh, sound sound in the background. I actually have a feeling that because we just cared about the bet, Mark might have been crying even if they covered our bet. <laughs> right? Like, you were, you were going to upset anyways. You, yeah, you just w wanted the, the whole out, way. blown out win. Yeah. Did so you I, bet him to win? Yes, I did. Oh, <gasps> I was trying to give myself a chance. I took the points. Yeah, I took the points. Yeah. Too. But we oh. did get Alabama. So Alabama crushed. So now we know we'll have Alabama and Georgia in the college football playoff. They're yep. both going to get in. Cincinnati. And Michigan, if Michigan wins. Cincinnati's so, got to be in there, right? Undefeated, running through it. And they just beat yeah. 11-1. Yeah, so Cincinnati-Michigan. So if Michigan beats Iowa today, They'll, Cincinnati will be the first team outside the big big yeah. five or whatever the conference, yep. no, conferences I, I don't are. I remember They'd what it's called, the big five, yeah. I guess, or whatever. the Big four? Power, power five. four. It's the power five. Power five. What is it? Okay, Pac-12. We named through that. Big four, five. Pac-12, big 10, 12. How many? The big 12 that has 10 teams? Big 10, big 12. Okay. SEC. ACC. Pac-12 and ACC. There you go. There we got them. Five. Power five. Nailed Cincinnati. it. Cincinnati. Nailed it. And they have right. an AAC team in there. So, I yeah, can't. you said we have to cover some. But, hey, we did wait. win a bet. All right. So, so far, good. so good. We're going to bet on some of those NFL games yeah. tomorrow, too, which will be a lot of fun. And... uh enjoy some libations it was a lot of fun and obviously here on the bleacher blums podcast we always like to uh remember those who who have sacrificed the ultimate sacrifice the in military first responders those that are out there protecting us and rushing into harm's way and and making our lives that much better we appreciate you and we know uh the, uh, what essential workers Doctors, nurses, teachers. teachers too. Teachers going through this entire uh, ordeal, hanging with us and making things better for our kids, making things better for our lives, and allowing us to get down here to Vegas and enjoy the incredible Blue Wire Studios. Total, you're going to bring this bad boy home. Yeah, no, again, we, I echo your sentiment. Um, you know, it's been a great time, and uh, hopefully the listeners get a little more out of this podcast than, uh, than normally do. Like I said, this might be a couple podcasts. Who knows how we break this up, but... It's been a joy to be with you in studio. I haven't seen you in a couple of years. Last time on the golf course, this COVID oh, thing's man. been tough on us. So, again, shout out to uh, all our, our listeners. Remember, you can follow uh, me on Twitter at uh, RealDavidTuttle. Same on Instagram, Blum at Blummer27 uh, on both uh, social medias. And, of course, at BleacherBlums.com. And uh, shout out to Ram Shirts. Mark runs uh, all of Ram Shirts, which does all our swag. And um, we forgot about Jake. I actually, oh, man, I, I, yeah. almost, I figured we'd see Jake here from uh, Just Geek It IT Solutions. So he uh, does a lot of stuff for us, hosts our website. So um, if you're over the age of 45, please don't forget to get screened for colorectal cancer. And uh, we encourage you to get after it and believe it. And thank you to everybody in that blue wire control room. That was outstanding, dude. This was a blast. Thank you very much. Believe it. Dude, that was too easy.